Back in 2003, I spent about a year of my career at Newsday. This was after Sports Illustrated, and my job was to roam around New York City and write 2,000, 3,000 word stories for the newspaper's magazine section. One day, while roaming Manhattan, I spotted a man playing patriotic songs on a flute at the base of Ground Zero. He was homeless, wore rags, and had a white beard that was tangled and unkempt. I asked if we could speak, and he told me about living on the streets, about loving America, about wanting to fill hearts with music. Later, I asked if I could buy him lunch, and he refused, instead grabbing a half-eaten sandwich out of a trash can. I've always remembered that moment, him reaching in for a discarded sub, taking a bite, and seeming significantly happier and more content than I was. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of nine books and the host of Two Writers Sling and Yang, the podcast where one writer, me, talks writing with another writer every single week. Today's episode features Sheena Quick, Carolina Panthers beat writer for 1340 AM Fox Sports, and more importantly, a woman who spoke out when her pig boss at Black Sports Online made inappropriate, disgusting advances. This is episode number 164. Let's sling some yang. Yeah, being quarantined sucks, and so does your podcast. All right, uh, Sheena, first of all, thank you for doing this, and we were just, we were just discussing okay. briefly how sucky Zoom is, and we're staring at each other on Zoom. All right, how much of your life is on Zoom right now uh, as a media? All of it. All of it. Every aspect. Kids, teachers, you know, um, sports, everything's been via Zoom. How's that treating you? I'd be lying if I said I don't miss the press box when it comes to sports. And um, I don't know. Right now, it's seeming like we're going to be Zooming for the foreseeable future. Wait, so I I became your... The head of your uh, of your cheerleading club, when I read oh, about you a couple you. weeks ago. So for people who don't know, what Sheena did is is uh, she was writing for uh, for Black Sports Online, and the head of Black Sports Online, I don't know if he's still the head of Black Sports Online, was uh, Robert Latal. And one day in the media, June twenty seventh, you tweet. I'll preface this by saying that I went back and forth with this myself on whether I was going to share my experience with Black Sports Online. I was afraid that it may jeopardize future opportunities, and it's sad that so many women are forced into silence because of this fear. I began writing for Black Sports Online in May 2016 at the suggestion of a former writer who was a friend of mine. During training, uh, your posts have to be approved by Rob before they are posted. One night, Rob stated that if I had more than a certain number of errors, I had to show him my boobs. I disclosed this to my friend who immediately admonished him, and we moved forward, or so I thought. In February 2018, Rob suggests I have sex with him at the Combine. Um, and you wrote sort of a length about this. And number one, I mean this sincerely as someone who's been in the business a long time. I applaud you times a million. When I was a young boy, my mom was uh, faced uh, sexual discrimination at work and she ended up suing the county she worked for. And it was hell for her. But it was invaluable for me as a kid seeing my mom do this. And I think for your kids, this should be invaluable for them as they grow up and they see the guts and the curds their mom had. What made you speak out and how hard was it a decision to reach? It was a, definitely a difficult decision. Let, let's start there. And I wasn't sure. I didn't know that other women had suffered through that as well. When it comes to as far as like why, it was honestly, I have to, I have to credit Samantha Gunn because she, she spoke up first and I spoke up on the heels of her. Tam was actually gone from BSO before I got there. She's now managing editor at Revolt. Mm-hmm. 
And so um, seeing her experience, and I'm like, are you serious? Like, you too? That, that was my thing. Like, while he did not proposition her for sex, or as, as far as I know so far, looking at her screenshots, and I don't know if you were able to see hers in the group chat. Yeah. It, like instantly reminded me of how pissed I would be in his group chats. And even though he had kind of moved on from the sexual talk by the time I got there as far, well, I didn't see it anyway, because there would be tons of messages and I would mute it unless I was going to find a story to go write about or ask about, you know, approval for a story. And um, if you can see from those screenshots, Rob is, he threatens a lot. Rob is someone that you can't, if you tell him how you feel or how something that you said make him, made him feel, instead of him acknowledging your feelings and apologizing or explaining, you know, he will, he would instantly, you know, he's, he's ready to wash his hands of you. It's basically is, if you speak up, if you say anything, you got to go. It's my way or the highway. He literally wrote to one writer, you're either in or out, there is no middle ground. And then you saw him remove her from the group chat just for speaking up for Tam didn't want to talk about her sex life in the group me, which makes sense. For me, um, not only, you know, Tam speaking up and saying what she said, I was like, you know, I, I kind of went back and forth. I'm like, am I going to tell people this? It's something that I've really kind of held in except for close friends. So I did consult an older gentleman that has been in this business for a very, very long time, you know, over 20 years, very well respected. He knows me. He knows Rob. And he's somebody that he's not going to be on my side and against Rob. He's not going to be on Rob's side and against me. He just knows both of us individually. And so I told him my concerns. I was like, I want, I feel like I need to speak up because just even seeing Tam, there's no telling how many other women this has happened to that are scared to say anything. And I said, but I'm a little nervous because I'm looking for newer opportunities and I don't want to be the troublemaker. Like I don't want people to, you know, to associate me with something negative. I don't want to dry up my opportunities. And he was like, oh no, you definitely won't dry up your opportunities because if you lose an opportunity for speaking out and saying this, then that wasn't the correct opportunity for you. And you should be happy that they bypassed you. And he goes on to say, you know, sleep on it, think about it, make sure it's something you want to do. He goes, but honestly, you should never be in that position where you have to choose between career aspirations and your self-respect or your self-peace. So just getting the okay from him and you're just talking to, talking to Tam through some of her things, I said, you know what, I need to say something because maybe it will entice or, you know, make other women feel comfortable with telling their story. Maybe it'll erase some of that fear for them. And um, when I say fear, BSO, I'm not going to sit up here and say it is completely, totally negative. I think that when he first started out, he had great intentions. Black-owned sports publication, and he worked his ass off. He did, I will never take that from him. He worked his butt off to build that website. Now, I don't know when it took a turn for him as to like when he started ego tripping or anything like that. I can't say. But um, when you're getting your feet wet in the industry, it's hard. It's difficult. It's more difficult for people of color and particularly Black women. It's hard. So I applaud him for, for offering that opportunity. I don't like the way he exploited it after he after you got in the door. You're being gracious, you applauding him for anything. I'm so angry. It's like you said, being a woman in this business, being an African-American woman in this business, it's fucking hard enough. And to come and like take advantage of someone or to abuse someone's trust, were you making money to write? We were, we were not being paid. Our travel was not um, covered or any of that stuff. So that's why I said... When I say I applauded him, I applaud him over as far as like establishing the platform. Yeah. He, the way he, you know, administered over it was some bull, you know, but um, getting your feet wet, getting your feet in the door. And if you're fairly new, 
and you speak out against BSO. Like, let's say you leave, you leave right away and you speak up against BSO. Robert's reach is much further or much larger than his writers are. So you get, you run the risk of this smear campaign behind the scenes where you can't even really, you know, people are, people feel like they know you before they meet you. And for myself and Tam, that fear was pretty much gone by the time we spoke out because we had put enough distance between ourselves and Rob. And in addition, we had networked and there are people that actually know us as people, know us personally, know our reputation, know our work ethic. So it's not as easy for Rob to go back behind us and say something, you know, and that person just, just write us off. Right. So that's what, that's a reason that women wait in our situation in particular right. in Tamman. So, because I knew it got to a point where, okay, Rob can call five, six, seven NBA beat, I mean, NFL beat writers and say whatever he wants to say or make up whatever rumors he wants to make up. But these are people that have seen me busting my butt at the combine and the draft throughout, out, throughout the season and the heat of training camp. So his opinion and his credibility, which has gone down drastically over the years, is, is not a threat anymore because right. people know you personally and they have, they have their own experiences with you to draw upon. So if he does attempt a smear campaign, it's not as effective as it would be early in your career before you really get out there and meet people yourself. I have a question. So I will never know the feeling of someone sending me a message, someone who's in a power position over me, sending me a message saying, show me your boobs or we need to have sex. What does that feel like? It just feels nasty. I mean, it, it feels gross. Like, when I tell you, when, when he made the boobs comment, this was during my training, I was ready to be like, mm, nope, out of there. But a, a friend is the person that introduced me to BSO. She had been writing for him for years. So I'm like, I had to tell her what happened and ask her, you know, has she ever had a problem with Rob doing this? And she's like, you know, she was pissed when I told her. She was like, that is ridiculous. He knows better. She was like, I don't know anyone else saying that he did this to them. You know, I'm going to ask some of the women. And she mentioned that she was going to ask Tamantha. I didn't know Tamantha, so I didn't, I mean, I thought it was a little weird back in 2016 to single her out as far as who she was going to ask. But now in 2020, I see why Tamantha was the first person that came up. More than likely when she left BSO, I don't want to speak in like, well, I don't want to say he for sure talked about her to other writers because I can't say, but it is not strange for Rob to have these conversations once you've left the group about you within the group. So I don't know what knowledge beyond the group me that she had as far as reaching out to Tamantha to ask her that because she actually was in the group me during the time that from the screenshots that you saw Tamantha post. So, um, and after that, he stopped. He stopped. I didn't have another in issue with him until combine of 2018. So for me, I had no reason but to believe that she, you know, checked him or said something to him and he was like, okay, well, Maybe I can talk to some women like this, but I can't talk to Sheena like this because she's offended. So there's no telling who else had to deal with that behind the scenes and just either laughed it off or, you know, played it off or, or whatever. So that was, it was such a long time between the two instances that I thought after 2016, I didn't think we were going to have any more issues. The thing that really kills me is the number of women who actually have to laugh these things off, who have that uncomfortable, oh, ha, ha. You even saw me do that when it came to the combine. And right. I tried to shift the focus of the conversation, and he took it right back to sex. And I'm like, okay, I just, I can't go to Indy. You're sitting there. You're at your computer. You're like, to hell with it. I'm putting this out there. My hands were shaking because mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God. 
I'm really about to hit send and I'm about to send this thread out into the World Wide Web. Now, the women that have DM'd since then, I mean, even all the way up until the night before last, women were still DMing us their instances, their private accounts of, of what happened with Rob. They had screenshots and people had stories that were eerily similar to both of ours. And it made me feel, it pissed me off that there were so many women that after that experience, they completely left sports media. They didn't even try. He turned so many people away. It pisses me off because there's no telling who those women could have gone on to be. There's no telling, but for that to be your first, you know, experience. And then I, I could imagine, you know, you know, I have a little bit of, of clout when it comes to like knowing guys that play or knowing women that play or are in, um, you know, front offices and things because I was a D1 athlete. I went to school with a lot of these guys or I grew up during AAU, the AAU circuit with a lot of these guys because a lot of football players run track as well. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of these people I knew since I was 10, 11 years old and a lot of players that I know. But if you are just literally just starting from scratch and it's terrifying to go up against a BSO that has that platform and you don't have it yet. So I get it. And it's intimidating. And I just feel so bad that he was able to turn people off from the career. That's the, the heartbreaking part of it. You have to have some thick skin to be a BSO writer. Is it an obvious piece of advice to say to women, you should always speak up? Or is it, is it not that obvious because there are repercussions? <sighs> That's what's tough. That's what's tough. It sucks because no woman or man, no one deserves to have to make that decision self-respect or your career um it's easier said than done to tell people look as soon as something happened boom speak up da, da, da. but what i will say even if you're not going public stick up for yourself in that moment with that person let them know look this is not okay i'm not going to take this don't talk to me this way because that way he can't come, no one could come back later and say you know well you you accepted it or he thought it was okay because you did it. I mean, it sucks that that's the way it is, but you definitely have to at least speak up for yourself. If you're not ready to speak out publicly, speak up for yourself in that moment. That, that would be my advice. Speak up for yourself. And if you are in a situation where you're working for free, because that happens a lot, but you know, normal people call them internships. Rob calls them jobs. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> network. Make sure that the story that he tells about you isn't the only story that's out there. Yeah. You know, make sure that people know you and they know your story. They know what you're trying to do. They know your aspirations and they know your work ethic and your morals. Make sure that they know those things. Because um, even now there's former male writers from BSO that, you know, have heard from Rob since this, this happened where he's DMing them or texting them like, oh, you didn't stick up for me. Boom. He's taking their names off their articles. Oh, yeah, he took your name off the articles, right? Oh yeah. All of my articles. And all of it says BSO staff. You had bylines on these stories. And when you spoke up, he took them off? Oh, he took them off before I spoke up. He took them off just because I left. So I left in October of 2018. So if there's a, a question of why between 18 and 20 I hadn't said anything, I was, I was trying to move on from BSO. Mm. Trying to move on from the experience and just move on. I was not speaking negatively about Rob. So that's why I say you have to have your own reputation because I know he continued to, to say things about me that he knew were untrue. But it didn't affect me because those people that he was sending these things to, which there were text messages, people that he was sending these things to, they're like, oh, she not always shows up. I always see her. I can count on her. She's reliable. She does a good job. But if I'm fresh out 
from BSO and I'm just trying to find, I'm trying to find another outlet and he's putting that out there, that can be detrimental because you're fighting, you don't even really know what you're fighting. Before we continue with Two Writers Singing Yang, a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, this is Jeff Perlman and I'm here with my daughter Casey. And we're here to tell you about the magic of 503 Sports, kings of the throwback sports merchandise. It's really magical. So magical. Super magical. The best of the magic. Oof. Harry Houdini in a bikini. I feel like the pandemic is really getting to us. Steve Balboni. I just can't get over the audacity. Okay, here's this guy. Wait, he's paying you nothing. He's sexually harassing you. You leave your non-paying job. You leave your non-paying job where a guy is sending you sexually explicit messages and he is offended that you leave and takes your name off all your articles so you don't have clips to show? Took my name off my articles. He took Tim Mantha's name off of her articles. And since this has happened, a couple of former you know, BSO writers that, not even just women, men that have you know, applauded the women that stood up, like, you know, I, you know, I stand with you guys and da, 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 da. He has gone back behind everyone's back, messaged these guys and taken their names off of their articles as well. And that's since this past weekend. This guy should never work in this business again. But it's, it's such an egotistical ride because it's like you're catching flack for, okay, you're catching flack for not paying people. You're catching flack for the sexual harassment. You're catching flack in the, in the journalism sector for removing people's names from their work. And you turn around and you remove somebody else's name from their work. It's crazy. It, it's almost like, you know, or even the apologies that he's given to people you know, the personal apologies, he's making sure he says, hey, you know, my lawyer tells me, I'm, I'm calling every, I'm trying to get, give people personal apologies because my attorney told me to. It's not, he can't even let us think that he's really apologetic. He has to make sure we know that you're only getting this apology because my lawyer told me to do. But I, for one, I have not accepted the apology. I've not spoken with him. He has bought from my phone. He is. Um, he sent me an email, which was very tone deaf. It was just like, if you could give me a call, I'm trying to give you a personal apology, but you have my number blocked. And he still sent messages and done things behind the scenes, even since he sent that emails. One thing I'm going to take away from you, and I really mean this, because you said it early and then you just applied it, is just because someone apologizes doesn't mean you have to accept the apology. Mm-mm. You don't have to accept the apology, especially when there's circumstances behind it, especially when you're, you know, the little boy, he was getting suspended. Yep. Of course you're going to apologize. Your parents are furious. Right. Somebody has to take off work and sit at home with you this week. <laughs> right. You know, and, and you're racially insensitive. Yeah, your parents are pissed. You got caught. So now you're sorry. Right. But if you didn't, if no one ever said anything, you would never say you're sorry. You would never apologize. Right. That just right. is what it is. And to, to preface it with what well, my attorney told me to, it's almost like you're making sure that people know that you're not, you're not really sorry. I covered the steroid era in baseball and guys would get caught and then they would apologize and everyone would be like, you got to give them credit. I remember when Jason Giambi got caught using PDs, he apologized and George Steinbrenner said, you got to give him credit. He man, I, he used the term manned up, which I, he said he manned up and apologized. What the hell is he going to do? Yeah. You have no choice. Like, what are you going to, what else are you going to say? And I mean, with Rob, you know, it's an ego thing. It really is. It's an ego thing. Um, everybody that wrote for BSO, you owe him your life. You know, he's helped so many people. And like I told him before, before this even blew up this weekend, in one of my, my last conversation with him, I said, listen, 
you can't use the idea of giving someone a platform to speak to validate, like treating them like crap or talking to them crazy or telling them that they have to accept what you're doing and what you're saying. That's not right. I said, in addition to that, you're getting free. You've gotten free labor. Right. So you can't throw that. I, I let, you know, I gave you a voice. I gave you opportunity. Yeah. And, and I gave you free labor right. for years. That's great. You know, BSO wasn't covered, wasn't credentialed to cover the Carolina Panthers before me. Right. So, you know, like I told him and I told him several times throughout this, I'm like, you know, yeah, you know, you're getting people credential, but they're also growing your brand for you with absolutely no overhead cost to you. That's the accountant in me speaking out. There's no overhead cost. Right. You're not having to cover travel. You're not covering food. You're not having to pay any wages. So it's a two, it's mutually beneficial if you want to look at it that way. If you want to say that you gave people this opportunity, you gave people the opportunity, but then people gave you the free work, the free labor. And it's a, it's a sizable amount of free labor. And a lot of times these, these outlets, a lot of outlets do have these internships to get you acclimated, to get a body of work and to kind of train you as you enter this industry. But I, BSO is the only one that I know of that just doesn't pay you ever. Yeah. With no intentions of paying you ever. Yeah. I've never heard that before to that degree. You know, I mean, there may be, there may be some, I just haven't encountered any. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's very much a, you owe me this and you owe me that because I did this for you and I did that for you. And it's like, but Rob, I'm telling you that I, I don't want to be talked too crazy. Right. And you're telling me that I'm just going to have to deal with it because you gave me an opportunity. Right. It's crazy. It is. Let me ask you this. So as we alluded to, you were, uh, you ran, you ran track. You got yes. your undergrad degree in accounting from Florida State University. You got a master's degree in accounting at North Carolina State. You became an accountant. Yes. Um, <laughs> you were an accountant for a while. An accountant for a while. What the hell are you doing here? Like, why are you in this business? <laughs> so, you know, like I said before, I ran track. So I had a lot of friends that were in sports. And um, even with accounting, I was vice president of a sports financial firm. I handled the off the off-field business ventures for NFL players. Huh. So, you know, if they wanted to... One in particular, they franchised a couple of Golden Corrals. And it happened to be one of the guys I knew from um, AAU track and from, from ACC track because he, he, he played at Clemson, but he also was really fast and he ran track. So um, just moving on from that is what my ex-husband also played football. We had dated since we were like 16. We were literally like loving track. <laughs> but um, after that, you know, and like I said, I was with him from 16 actually to 32, so half of my life. And shortly after Aiden was born, it's our third son, we um, divorced. And for me, it was just kind of uncharted territory. I'm like, okay, I have these three kids. I'm here by myself. I'm on maternity leave. I'm going to go crazy. Like, I'm going to pull my hair out. And so, um, like I said, I had a friend that had been writing for BSO for a very, very, very long time. And um, the opportunity presented itself and I was like, well, that's a good way, you know, a good outlet, a good way to, you know, just kind of get, let some steam off. I love sports. I'm already watching sports. I'm already deep into sports. I can analyze sports. Let me just, you know, this might be fun. So that's another reason that it was okay with it being unpaid at first. It was just a hobby. So um, my passion for it grew because people were like, oh, you know, you're really good at this. And I was like, okay, this might be kind of fun. Right. But I continued to work as an accountant, obviously, because, BSO wasn't paying and um, it got to the point where you know I said well BSO was taking more of a gossipy turn more of a TMZ-ish turn 
and I want to actually write about serious sports. You know, it was training camp. Was it 2018? No, might have been 2017. I don't remember. 17 or 18, one of those. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Wofford. It is like hell's armpit. <laughs> like it's a different type of heat. Everybody will know what I'm talking about. So I'm, I'm down there. I'm sweating it out. This is when I determined I'm going to start to take this a little bit more seriously. So I'm like, you know, I'm not just going to cover the Panthers during the season. I need to learn these personalities. I need to, you know, establish this rapport with not just the PR, but the coaches and the, and the players. Like I need to, I need to, to be able to thoroughly do my job. I need to be at training camp. So I'm at training camp and it's sweltering. I'm writing up, you know, what the position battles are that I think are going to be most intriguing throughout training camp. But Rob wants to wants me to write a story on Cam Newton shorts and how short they are. That's when I was just kind of like, yeah. And that, that wasn't the only instance. There's been plenty of instances. He's like, oh, nobody cares about the Panthers. And I'm like, so why am I down here covering them? So then you see quick out of the box. That's what my QOTB stands for. Made a name, made a name as quick, and I ran track. I was the sprinter, so I came up with this name, Quick Out the Blocks, and I'm like, well, the stuff that BSO doesn't want that he thinks is boring, I'm going to put it on my own site, and he was okay with that, and so it just got to a point where it was, it was in addition to being con- being talked to, talked down to, talked to inappropriately, not being paid. I'm like, okay, we're we're going into opposite ends of the spectrum. I still wanted to just split amicably. I wanted it to be just a friendly split. Rob wasn't going to let that happen. If you say, you know, I, I particularly, I told him in particular, I want to cover more serious sports. And I said, you know, thank you for the opportunity. He tells, he proceeds to tell me how hard he's worked and establishing. I said, look, that's great. It is excellent. I'm not saying that you did not work hard to build this, but my career trajectory is going in a different direction. I want to do this seriously. I don't want to just go get credentialed for events and put it on Instagram Mm -hmm. and show people that I have access. No, I want to actually parlay this access into something that I think BSO started out as. And while I'm not just, you know, centered on black athletes, I do all sports, but I do want to hopefully grow this platform at, at some point in time to something that young women and, or just you know, not even just young minority women, young women or, you know, minority men, things like that. I want to be able to give them something to, to, to help them get their foot in the door also. So it's kind of like a little pet project. But um, that, that's how it got. I mean, it was my accidental career. I stumbled into it and it just grew and it's fun to me. So it doesn't feel like work. You know, I could probably talk about football for hours and not feel like, you know, oh my God, I'm tired of it. I'm actually ready for football to start back. Yeah. But only, only, only if it's going to be healthy. Only if the players are going to be kept safe. But long and long story short, that's how I stumbled from being an accountant to a journalist. Do you, um, it's interesting because you had such a bad experience with a, with a I guess, a boss. Um, it's interesting how women, there's a long history of women in sports media having you know players say inappropriate things that just go dating way back the the awkwardness of walking into a locker room etc cetera, etc cetera. do you feel like the modern athlete generally is pretty comfortable and accepting of women being in the environment oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah for sure like i mean i've had instances like i said you know i'll speak on eric reed again because you know he is well spoken i had an incident in the locker room where um in and of older white man that had been, you know, in the business or covering the Panthers for a while. 
And um, he was really, really rude to me. Like, you know, in this open locker room, everybody, you know, if you see a, an athlete talking, that's where the scrum, you know, congregates. You know that, right? Yeah. And so he was like, well, you need to leave. And I'm doing a one-on-one. Eric was like, this isn't a one-on-one. He goes, but you need to leave. And I was like, X, Y, Z, am I going to say his name? I almost said it. I was like, this is a, an open locker room interview. It's not a one-on-one interview. I said, I've been off to the side with the player several times and you walked up and started recording. You know, it's, it's, that's just, that happens in the locker room. If you want an exclusive, you need to schedule something outside of the locker room. You're not getting an exclusive inside the locker room. So, you know, I just kind of let it go and I let it go because Eric slid in and he was like, wait, this is not what we're doing. He was like, you know, this is open locker room. She has just as much right to sit, stand over here as you do, as well as all the other people that are congregating. He was like, as a matter of fact, stop. He turns to me and goes, what was your question, sister? Wow. <laughs> right. And so, you know, afterwards he was like, you know, you got to stand up for yourself. And I said, and this, is, this brings me to another thing that happens when it comes to um, black women in sports media. I'm sorry. Aiden's being really loud. Okay. Aiden. I said to him, I said, well, you know, I said, I can only be as so only so vocal because I don't want to be the angry black woman. So that's the other side of the coin that, you know, we face is we have to tailor our responses because if we're too vocal and we're too tough, you run that risk. Oh, it's always something wrong. She's this and she's that. And so he was like, no, don't ever let anybody do that to you again. Um, I was on a panel a couple, well, maybe like a week and a half ago. And um, Michael Thomas, receiver for the New Orleans Saints, he comes on and he's, he's like, you know, I don't see you guys as any different. When I see a woman on the sideline, it's the same thing to me. So, yeah, like, that, that's, that's one of the things I haven't really faced. But then again, I always know a lot of the guys. I'm 48, right? White guy, 48. I've been around so many peers through the years. The things – Young African American report African African American reporters in general still I think face is oh they were just an affirmative action hire oh they're not really that good oh she doesn't know what they're doing oh she was an accountant she isn't like oh the angry black woman oh she thinks this oh she's gonna get the interview because oh she's just sleeping yeah. with the players you know the only place that I experienced that was from oh. Rob. Because like even even after I didn't go to Indianapolis for the combine, which is the only one I've missed since I've been doing sports journalism, um, and theoretically Rob hasn't been to one since then either. He was in Indy and he goes, Well, people are looking for you. Clarence asked about you. People are looking for you. He goes, You aren't having inappropriate work relationships, are you? I said, No, I'm networking. I'm normally the person that's there. I cover the whole league for your site. I'm the only like dedicated beat writer that's at training camp and everything else and draft and combine. That's why they're asking for me because I said, actually, you should be, you know, you should be proud because that means that when I'm there representing your brand, I'm doing a good job. But he instantly took it to, you know, oh, are you having inappropriate work relationships? Or I would get scoops sometimes. I would get some breaking news. And the assumption is that I'm sleeping with somebody that's giving me the news. But when it comes to like, when it comes to that, like, as far as the alluding to me having an inappropriate situation and maybe that's where people are getting disrespect from me. That came from Rob. You know, what's really sad about this is, um, it might be weird for me to say, like this guy had a responsibility to help young minority journalists make it in this business. And he had a responsibility to look out for you and to help you and others along and to cultivate something. It's unfair, but 
he had a burden on him to help people. Like he really did because like yeah. you did minority writers don't get the opportunity. They still don't get the opportunities in his business. And here's someone who's coming along and he's saying, I can help you. I'm going to make change in this business. I'm going to be great for this business. And to violate that trust is just infuriating to me, like just infuriating to me because you actually had an opportunity to do something really good and really helpful yeah. and you did the opposite. And, that's, and, and you're not alone. Everyone that's reached out has said that they're like, you know, he was in a position to really affect some change and he didn't. I think you come up, you come off looking great because you did the right thing, but it just, I hurt for you. I just it's think. unfortunate that it had to be that way. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, it was difficult. It's a difficult decision to come to. It still feels really weird, but as the days pass, I'm a little bit more like coming back down to earth because there's so many people that are like, you know, thank you for speaking up. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we applaud your courage because I don't know. Did you, had you heard of BSO before this happened? In a very like passing may have gone there twice. Sort of. Uh, yeah. The, the fear of a lot of those women who wants to deal with the smear campaign. If you're familiar with the articles on, on some articles on BSO, you know, you've seen the smear campaign. You've seen it. You know that he's capable of it. And, you know, I was even tipped off that he was, was trying to come up with some documents or some fictitious documents when it comes to me. I have not seen them or placed, set eyes on them, but I would not be shocked. Hopefully he's smart enough to know not to commit libel because <laughs> that's always an issue. But a lot, of, I mean, even the guys were like, look, I was scared that he was going to sabotage me. Even now, you know, the guy was like, I was afraid he was going to sabotage me. And I was like, no, you're fine. He was like, well, why do you sound so confident? I said, because look at you, you flourished. You have, you know, you may not give yourself credit, but you have credibility and you have a reputation in this game now. Your ability to answer yeah. questions while being attacked by your son is quite impressive. This is definitely like, listen, quarantine Zooms, you learn how to do everything like just without breaking eye contact. You're like, you know, the koala bear challenge yeah. that's going on. TikTok. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that fear retribution and it was other former writers from BSO that were like, you know, thank you for saying something. And, you know, he hit me up and, you know, at this point I'm like, yeah, I said, but Rob doesn't understand that outside of how he has treated his writers, his credibility throughout the years has diminished just with him, between him and a lot of other people in the industry. Yeah. So his ability to smear or sabotage has diminished as well. Yeah. Because like I said, you know, the more time that you establish yourself and establish your reputation outside of BSO, the less he can do to hurt you. I hope and pray that, you know, no one else has to go through it. Let me ask you a final unrelated question. Will there be an NFL season? Should there be an NFL season? Now, you know I'm biased and I want there to be one, but not at the expense of the health of the players. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond to all these players that have tested positive as, you know, people slowly go back to work. I mean, I don't know. We haven't heard anything about training camp, and normally that's like in about three weeks from today. Yeah. So if there is a, if there is a season, it'll be a very different season, and I would not be shocked if, like, they played either with no fans or a very limited amount of fans. Orsina, I told my daughter, I told my kids about what you did. And I just think it's wow. freaking, it took guts and it matters. You know, I think it matters. So I, uh, I really applaud you. And I thank you for, thank you for doing this with me today. I really, really hey, stop it doing your stuff by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> 
estimate the shots. I want to thank today's guest, Sheena Quick, for joining me on Two Riders Singing Yang. You can follow Sheena on Twitter at Sheena underscore Marie and the number three. And read her stuff on our website, quickoutofthebox.com. Don't come listen to Two Riders Singing Yang on pretty much every podcast medium. And your views are always appreciated. Music is by the fantastic MC Whiteout. Thanks again for joining me. And remember, keep writing. Truth we always make.